Welcome to season two of Our New Voice. In this series, we're focusing on relationships, specifically couples. We've been tracking in couples fishbowl therapy what works, and through the reflection of others, we see some patterns. Exhaustion from the same conflict with our partners, a feeling of not being heard, games of persistence and resistance. So we're all growing wiser together. As we know in the pure reflection of your partner, all is revealed that's yet to be healed. And life is a school, and relationship is the classroom. Self-mastery is the goal. If you're feeling brave, join us in the couple's fishbowl experience. You can sign up at gwtsfamily.com. In the reflections of others, we grow clarity for a shared reality. Remember, we're stronger together, and it's time to grow me's to we's. Hello, welcome to season two of Our New Voice. So we're going into couples land because that's a big piece of harmony in our families. You know how mom and dad get along. The shared vision of the household is a real tone setter. So we've decided in this month and in the second season as we put together the elders to learn more from our elders, we would talk to some couples, and the first one of this series is going to be me with Miles, who you met in the original set of the Intergenerational Conversation. And Miles and I have co-created something called Couples Fishbowl Therapy. And the intention is really what happens is when you're in a fishbowl or in a collective is the reflections work louder. So you're able to see more about yourself in the reflections of others we found a lot of patterns, and we're learning a lot through doing it. And we're going to talk about some of what we're learning and what's happening. But before we go too far, we're going to check in and say hello to Miles. Hey, Miles. Hello. What I would like to say is that for me, the, the Couples Fishbowl podcast and the therapy is a way for me to way for us to build our relationship stronger and, and you use tools and strategies and, and, and ways to to navigate through our relationship our relationship issues and come at it with a, come at it with an attention on learning not you know not like we're standing on a pedestal preaching which we're not I 100% and and this to learn learn how to speak clearer learn how to to and in our relationship and and in in life and yeah and using this as is our relationship as our art you know as it's 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 really the the hardest thing we we are doing in life is our is involves relationships yeah. mm-hmm. Tony right you think that'd be the fun and the easy part but when you really try to bring things together that are so different there's a lot of work to be done and kind of letting go of our ideas, right? Right. It's So when you talk about being able to communicate more in the fishbowl, what have you learned? Like what have you noticed from the reflection of the other couples and what they're feeling and what you're feeling? There are a lot of patterns, there's a lot of relationship patterns. That are that are formed behaviors that are formed that that form sore spots or or very sensitive spots in your relationship, and and they they become the triggers and they become the 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 way that we perceive each other. Um, like so, the way you always think of somebody, like if I might think like, 
Oh, Miles is always mad. Like, he's just going to get mad. He's just going to get mad. Even if you're not going to get mad, I'm thinking of you like you're going to get mad. So it kind of sets it up. So then I'm perceived as the angry dad, the angry spouse, the angry everything. Just the angry, rigid dude instead mm -hmm. of... Um, the, the deeply person, sensitive guy. The deeply sensitive guy who's listening at the time, or or I could be angry at the time, but not as deeply angry at, as, you know, previous times. <laughs> or say the irresponsible Miles, or the... Loud Madeline. The loud Madeline. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and these become these, these ways where we bring in our perceptions from a whole, like it comes from it's the macro instead of micro. You're trying to, really trying to address the immediate, the immediate conflict, but you're bringing in the, the macro perception from the whole scope of our relationship. And then I'm, I or you are being seen as the, the, the irresponsible one or the childish one, and that becomes, or the nasty one, and that becomes, mm -hmm. The, the the view of the person and we can't actually see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm being, and it's a child, like, especially in outbursts, like when I was having the outburst, when I had the outburst, I was perceiving, I was communicating in a childish manner, yelling and, 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 and screaming and, and not being heard and, and being so angry and full of like physical, like psychic, and, emotional energy that I had to like throw blankets and that's the Scorpio moon like I know that only some will understand this but the moon changes every two and a half days and it influences our our frame and our lenses just like the cards do and for Miles reference to his emotional outburst as the Scorpio moon came in in the deeper clearing Miles was just coming on full guns with all the ways he felt hurt you know like the stoic energy was not holding the container anymore you know the the need to be felt and to be heard and to understand how sensitive he was was like coming on full guns I was thinking that I might have a little bit of tension with my sisterhood conversations or this or that I didn't even see that it would come up through miles because he keeps it in. He keeps going. He gets to the next task. He goes and works out. You know, it's not that I don't notice when you're feeling stuff, but you don't normally bring it out loud as big as you almost couldn't help but bring it out so loud. Right. Like it was like the universe or the moon being like, let's go, buddy. Let's clean it up. And we both are and still kind of excited about the idea that the more we can see this for what it is, the less likely we are to take it with us and recreate it because you start to recognize that it's like residue. It's like cleaning up the cabinets in those corners and that gunk. It's like getting everything clean again. Yeah. And I want to, I just want to bring up something before it, when, when we're doing, doing those projections of, of like, the past experiences, like when we're we're saying, uh, those are usually the times when we're saying about about when I'm saying about you, you always or you never, mm -hmm. always and never is is big as a as a big indicator of of you distortion. You, you're distorting <laughs> the whole, like you're perceiving that person from like a, their history rather than the moment. So that's a clue. So when someone's screaming at you like that, it has nothing to do with you. 
Like they're pretty much like in somewhere trying to get out whatever they're feeling and they're saying it in really dramatic, exposed ways, like a little kid almost. Yep. And so then you can respond like you might to a child. And sometimes it's frustrating because you're seeing a grown person, but you're really not talking to the grown person. You're really talking to like a child part of them that's looking to get integrated and doesn't know how to speak in a general way because it feels so like personal. It all feels so personal when yeah. you're that little child, right? And you, when you're flooded, when I am flooded with so, so much emotion, I am definitely a child. I can't think. Like it's just all emotions. It's not not. I'm my my vision is clouded. All I can I can only feel and I can't really see. And I can and everything that's communicated is if I'm in pain and and all this stuff and whatever's happening, that stimulus is causing me it is has to do with the pain that I'm I'm experiencing right then. Like any kind of like facial expressions, any kind of body movement, any kind of mm-hmm. it's. Incredible inflation of emotions, and it's, for somebody who doesn't emote a lot, it's mm-hmm. it's overwhelming. Yeah, there's a uh, you know, lots of people in the practice, but there's a young gentleman, I think late thirties, early forties, that I've been talking to, and he described being introverted as like a response, you know, to life, and that being around people who were kind of like stronger and more dominant than him, he let other people lead, like he lost his voice, his assertion, right? So I wonder when someone has responded to life in a way that they've chosen to be introverted, if it's not inherent or likely that when big things happen, it is going to be really activating to that world that made a conscious choice to try to stay small, Right, because an introvert's world is more small, right? Like they keep things inside a small way so that they can feel a certain kind of comfort in that land. The I would say the inner world is huge, the outer world is small. The inner world is huge and the outer world is yes. small. Oh, so, so like, like I have a huge inner world, but I don't ever express it to anyone. Or so not ever, but but very rarely. Very rarely. So then there is a, a, a sense of strength in you because what we talked about with that guy I was bringing up in the practices, there's an energy in him that wasn't come through. Like he talked about having a deer and a bear. And so like his bear energy needed to get bigger. Like he needed to be able to deal with things better because when big emotions would come on him, he would collapse and then start to go to like negative thought cycles mm-hmm. about his inadequacy. So somehow right. I wondered if there's a way to build up into a form that allows you to feel resilient there because the inner world has all that information. You know what's going on. Like you can see so well from the inner world. Like I know your intuition. I know the value of your counsel when mm-hmm. you're not attached and you're not in your own emotional stuff. You see things really wisely. Right. But when there's a certain level of closeness or validation or somebody saying that you're not what you want to be, like the whole world collapses. Right. And that's opposite. But the, oh, like another thing about introversion is you, I think, I like to think about what I say first, but if I, I don't think 
verbally. I'm not a verbally processor. Like it just kind of, like I have to wait, and then it come, it processes, and it go, and then it kind of clicks. Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, I can't remember the name of the actor of a movie or something, and then not even not even thinking about it, it'll just come to you in the shower or something. <laughs> the name of the actor. The name of the actor. It's. Right. I, my friend used to call it the Eureka Syndrome, <laughs> where you're just trying to, what is that guy's name? What is that person's name? What is this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then it just comes to you in the shower. He calls that the Eure- Eureka Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I know that for me, sometimes the introversion, you know, the, just being with myself and seeing it from that a bigger way can be really helpful. But there's also a way, and there's also a way, that I enjoyed the verbal processing, taking it back and forth between myself and others. It's one of the things I like about the couple's fishbowl is you kind of feel it from a lot of perspectives and you see it from more places because more people are involved. Because for me personally, if it's just me talking to myself and the verbal processing, I'm not, I'm just running in a circle. I'm just like paddling in a circle, you know. The bringing it back and forth is part of where you get new information. You know, you get something that maybe you couldn't see, or or you learn something because you hear yourself say something. You're like, oh my gosh, listen to what I just said. Wow, you know, it happens mm-hmm. to me often in therapy. When I'm saying something to somebody, I'm like, whoa, did you hear that? <laughs> I think the best way that I verbally process is to actually write it out and then and then edit it. Yeah, I've enjoyed when you read me those things. I feel very much like. A very sensitive, wise part of you. Is That's the same. Today. I guess it's the same as verbally processing. Right? Yeah, I just do it out loud, and you do it inside. Right. I mean, that's kind of the way we are. I'm outside, you're inside, and trying to share the ride is its own journey. Yeah. Right. I do verbally process with you sometimes, so. Yeah, but other things, if they're not things that are connected to you, you have the ability, like if we talk about a client or a situation, but when it has something to do with you personally, or even if I suggest that the client is kind of like you or this or that, it activates a different ability to process. Okay. I'm so curious about it because it's in that land of narcissism where and I don't ever mean like we're making anybody good guys or bad guys. Anybody who's listened knows better. But there's definitely a way that the suggestion is that a person who insulates themselves in a narcissistic way is very, very sensitive, has very thin skin, has a very heightened response to shame, you know, has a hard time, you know, accepting failure. You know what I mean? So those types of things we've seen in our dynamic. I think there's a type of narcissism that, that you're born with and this part that you kind of develop as a protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, a, like there's a, where there is a narcissist who wants to be seen, wants to do this and do that. And, and there's also the narcissist who's just trying to like. Feel protected. Like, yeah. P- protect themselves. Like, All right. This is the way I need to look. This is the way I need mm-hmm. to speak. This is mm-hmm. as a, as a neurotic, like narcissism with a neurotic with narcissism or narcissism with neuroticism, mm-hmm. personality trait mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's I, I I don't you know I don't know 
I don't know for a fact, but I just know that there's like I feel I feel like I I didn't I can I have traits of narcissism, but I don't I don't ever think that they're like to be grandiose. There's like I guess there's grandiose narcissism and there's like a neurotic kind of narcissist. Yeah, you're definitely more the neurotic one. I'm probably more grandiose narcissist when I'm narcissistic. One of the things you're noticing. Oh, that I'm a grandiose narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is that is that your reflection? I suppose no, no, it's no. one of the things I can wear. I like to think I can wear all the outfits. So, yeah, I mean, I know that in response to your independence, I became much more independent in relationship. Your desire for independence and to stay kind of separate but still here forced me to become really independent while in the relationship, but also a little aggravated because that wasn't my plan. I was definitely thinking that I was doing a we thing and not a me thing. Right, and that's really coming to the the we part, right? This is where we're talking about when we get into those positions where we're saying those things like always and never, you always, you never, that we're coming from an individual perspective, not a unified team per, as a couple perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm not considering why you're saying that. I'm, I'm too too sensitive to like the hugging the porcupine kind of thing. Yeah, you kept that song. You really made that like a theme song for your life. Miles is extremely sensitive to people being laughing at him or being teased. And I laugh at myself and everything all day. I make fun of everything. So it's been really a challenge, I think, for Miles and for me because I think everything's kind of funny and I snicker and I make sideways comments and I keep going and he takes like, what, what, what do you do? What, did you say this? And I'm like, oh boy. Like, I light the house on fire. Yeah. Yeah, are those things right here? <sighs> yeah, if I just sigh like that, yeah, he drives me crazy. And sometimes I really am just sighing, and sometimes I might be trying to say something. Oh, who knows? So, but we did find some things. You know, we went into the couple's fishbowl, you know, learning to make or hoping to make or dreaming to make a shared reality and inspiring that in others, recognizing that a lot of times in dynamics, everyone's kind of pulling from where they're pulling from. And until we all kind of come to a shared vision or shared meaning and purpose, it's going to be a, a push and pull. So that's what we've been doing. And what we did with the people who come so far, we've had a whole bunch of sets of three weeks, and now we're going into a six-week series where we're going to go deeper diving. But we talked about how we respond to emotions. All of it was in the name of awareness, like just trying to understand how much you know about yourself so that you know what you're bringing to the we. Because we're each mm -hmm. bringing our own chemistry sets, if you will, to the new co-regulation. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, well, yeah, we had the scaffolding of expectations. Mm -hmm. We looked at personality types, what love story kind of shaped you, all things to support your awareness of yourself to create a better version or the best version to meet the dance, right? Ro right. Ro relationships of dance. But it's also good to, always, to, to be considering that because your values change. As you progress in your relationship, your values could be different five years on because you start off as, as a couple, and then five years later you have a child, or you have a dog, or you have a different. You have both have careers when only one had a career before, or one has to not have a career because of a child. Then you have then you that foundation changes, and mm -hmm. you have to change it, or the the 
the scaffolding kind of like leans to it. It's not balanced. It's not level. Mm -hmm. That's very true. And, and they do change a lot throughout the years of having a family and what grows true and stuff for sure. And we also learned a lot. And we'll obviously keep this one in for the six weeks. And some of the others will always keep awareness in the conversation. But how your projection is actually information for you of how you're protecting yourself or what's inside of you. You know, like a, another person was sharing how their mom has a way of just projecting out her fearful thoughts onto the other people in the family because they're still alive inside of her. So she's looking for a place to put them into script. Mm -hmm. Right? So our projections onto our partners are oftentimes like, if you take the breath and slow down, information about what you're still packing. They're, they're also a way that we learn the world, exploring the world. Like we're learning ourselves through ex observing it, projecting onto others. And we're learning, we're obviously, we're, we're just imagining through, through, their, through our experience what, what that person's experience is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's how, we're, how we learn as a single, like, psychic individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or a single, you know, using our, our brain, our consciousness, conscious individual, what the other's experience is. Yeah, the reflection of the other is like a great learning tool in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then realizing that it's not about you, whatever the person's saying. Like it's something inside of them that they integrated and made true. And you're playing out how far they're going to learn about it or if they're going to learn about it. Right. You know, because it can get so tricky because say you find somebody, it's a pretty common one, like, I'm going to get left. I'm going to get left. Like, no one's going to be there. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be abandoned. And I, I'm pretty sure that most everybody gets that that's a word that creates an energy of separation. But in reality, there's no separation. But that word and that concept holds all of this psychic and traumatic and storytelling in it. So when the girl says, every time he leaves, I get freaked out because I, I, I have such anxiety about being left. Right? Mm -hmm. So then it's like, you're not being left. It's an anxiety that you've built as some type of mechanism to keep things close to you out of some fear. And that person can come and go, and you're still going to be okay. So it's like walking yourself back into the reality that we're in, as opposed to the one that your patterns created, or the illusion that your frame made on the way things are happening. Like thinking, oh, I should push people away because that'll make me safer, when we can't push each other away, and love is our natural state. But how many people have entire systems and patterns to block love in their character because of not knowing they're cool or being afraid of the vulnerability, you know, all those types of things. Right. So we're going into the six-week series, and we're definitely recognizing that there's some things that may be more important than we thought, like making a real time to sit and talk. Like we're together all the time. We work together. We live in the same house. So you think, oh, I don't need to talk to you. But if there's not like a sacred time to be able to really unpack what's on your heart and mind and you don't feel met, those things build up. And then Scorpio moons come in and Miles goes crazy. Mm -hmm. Do you know like this? <laughs> yep. So, and then... Telling what you're learning about yourself, because I think you're also so on point, Milo, where it's like 
we're always changing. We're always learning about ourselves. So as you grow awareness to these things that you uncover and unpack, you bring that information into us so we can all treat each other a little differently because we're kind of being shifted with the boys as well. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, we've moved from, from conflict, conflict to conflict, to uh, learning, just learning, you know, all the time. And, mm-hmm. yeah. And learning what you know about yourself and making transitions, you know, more out loud, you know, like silly things like, well, you knew I was going over there. Oh, I'm putting this over here. You could have seen me. But sometimes you can just say, I'm walking over to the left. I'm going to put this over there. Like we can just talk about it and allow it to happen in a way that people all know what's going on. It might seem redundant, but it also could create a freedom. And that freedom is, oh, okay, so that's what's going on. Because, you know, I could be in my own head thinking about, oh, my God, what if I put this lyric with that song and I did this? And Miles is trying to pass a knife in front of me, and I'm not even thinking about the knife because I'm thinking, would that word go better or this word? Whatever the heck I'm thinking in the moment. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't be more present all the time. I, too, am always reminding myself of that. But if he's to say, hey, I'm coming in with the knife, I'm going to put it over there, Now I know and I can pull away and see what's going on, right? But if he does it and I jump and he goes, well, what do you mean? Didn't you see me? And it just starts something. So this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about with transitions, like to really allow seemingly dumb communication, like, oh, I shouldn't have to say that. But we do because there's an easy way that we get wounded by other people. Like we get bumped on, especially if they're the people around all the time. It just kind of annoys us. So, and the other last thing is that sacred schedule. You want to talk a little bit about what we were thinking about with the sacred schedule and the boundaries of that? Well, the sacred schedule is a time for you to to discuss the, the important things that need to be addressed at, at that time, like with your relationship or, or, or just how your day went, like things you need to process and, and share that are that don't need to be interrupted when you're sharing it. You know, it's not like something to be sharing at that time where we're doing, we're both doing dishes or we're doing, I guess they could, but these are the times that like you really need to focus. Mm-hmm. And also sacred times, like how you really need to work out, how like that's part of your sacred schedule, like for the best balance of you, certain workout times through the week are important. You know what I mean? Like right. how... We have to have a certain time each week that we talk about the billing stuff or the marketing stuff. And if we talk about them all the time mixed in, it takes away from the clarity of the container when we keep it sacred, like what and sacred it does. stress, yes. Yeah. It's like that sacred and profane stuff you were talking about way back. You know, it's like yeah. maintaining the sacred because that's where the reverence is. Right. And... And the thing about the thing what he what Eliade said about the sacred or profane, the, that archaic man tried to live in the sacred as much as possible, but it always leaked that there was always, so it was impossible to truly separate them both. But there was no matter how profane the man was existing, there was always an element of the sacred in there, like mm-hmm. in his in his movements, even in his scheduling and his stuff, like that becomes a rit- ritualistic. Whenever it's rit- mm-hmm. ritualistic. Whatever is ritualistic has a, has a part of that sacred still in it. Sure, even when you shower and you wash off each day or you drink your morning water, like I find anything that I make ritualistic or sacred is grounding and helps me feel like 
I'm taking care of what I believe in or what I value. Right. So we're valuing couples fishbowl. We're learning to value each other's differences more and more. And we're intending to persist with a six-week series and get some couples in here who have come through that might tell us more about what they're learning as far as this shared vision and going forward and shared expectations. We thank you for coming into season two and starting this couples conversation. And we're recognizing how we still have a call out for those first generations to help us understand how things get passed through in those dynamics when you come from different places and different ideas are running the ship of the family and how everybody works together as we change. And we also have the elders that we're calling for to give us some more information about music and nature and how they've learned through relationships. And we'll be having more couples here. And you know, Miles, I thank you for your divine mirror my whole life so far, or at least 20-something years of it. And I am definitely learning more and more about myself and the places where I became so independent that some of what I had, I wasn't even recognizing what I had because I was so independent. And as you got stronger and took care of things and came through stuff, I feel your presence more, and I'm grateful for your presence in the family. Thank you. I'm grateful for your presence in the family and your dedication to keeping us as partners and, and, and staying in relation, in relationship, even when we were having our, our, our troubles, or even when we were having our troubles. <laughs> and yeah, and I would just want to add that, um, go back to the beginning where we, we were talking about our past and bring up their past. Your, your history does have an, have relevance, but it's not for, to justify anything in the, in the present. And I just want to use the Lily Tomlin quote right here. <laughs> what did she say? Abandon all hope for a better past. Yeah. And it just that just suggests that we you know focus on the now and focus on the future. Abandon all hope for a better past. Right. Go forward, forward only. And you know, life is a privilege to be who you are. So may we, in going forward, all really be who we are, and come together in a way that we feel good. So that we could be a better we. Mm-hmm. Harmony in the we. All right. Well, thanks, listeners. We're going to start to wrap up. And thanks again to Dominic and Jadira and the team of Growing with the Seasons family and all the things that are going on. I'm definitely going to get some blurbs in here for the hiking heels, but definitely go to the website at gwtsfamily.com and Get excited for what we've got going on and there'll be a newsletter coming out with some deeper stuff and more shares on specific topics for those of you who want to grow and know yourself more. And I'm just grateful to be growing with the seasons and living for a reason. That's what makes my life happy. So anything else for you, Miles, before we say goodbye? I think that's it. That's all for now. Well, let's take a couple breaths. And just loving you release everybody's energy back to them that we talked about. And thank you for the reflections of each other. Send everybody's energy back to them, fully healed in present time. And take all your own energy back to you, fully healed in present time. And 
If you like to use your imagination to connect the roots, make a nice strong straight line up the spine, up to the crown. Just feel that peace, that essence, that sovereignty that's you. And may you just keep tuning true, be real. And thank you for listening today. We'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye. Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, check out the website gwtrustfamily.com and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of more peace and harmony and possibility. Turning in all the directions, calling above and below to the space inside me that longs to glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's going to set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me. Show me the way. I know. The way will open. Where is it? Where's the fire? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll soothe your soul. Rhythm in the 